Good morning, Grace. Glad to see everyone today. What's, what's, I think everybody's out there. There, hey, there you are. There you are. Uh, no, how many of you are, have enjoyed our series on the parables and the storyteller? I know, I know that I've really enjoyed and I've, I've gotten so much out of preparing for these messages and these sermons, going through the parables and really going back through them again and, and, and reading them and, and seeing what God's wanting to tell us. And uh, I just I feel like it's, it's an honor just to be up here and, and, and talk to you guys today. But if you don't know me, my name is Sam Ferris. I'm one of the teaching pastors here at Grace. My wife, Sarah, is the children's director, and we also help out with youth. But uh, so if you're, today's your first time at Grace, my name is Sam. Last week, you missed out if you were not here because we had a very famous speaker come and speak to us today, uh, last week. Uh, Sam Elliott actually came in here. You know, he was, he was filming a, a, a Western, but, but he came here and spoke to us. That was just an awesome treat to get to see Sam Elliott. No, I'm kidding. But Dennis did a fantastic job. I, I'm expecting more of that from now on. I, he, he took drama classes in college. He had to have. He had to have. Right? Uh, just a couple more announcements before I get started. Uh, directly after service today, and I'm so excited about this because it is fantastic every year. I look forward to it every Christmas. But if you're interested in being in or helping our Christmas play production, okay, we are going to have a short, he promises it to be short, but a short meeting right after church, right after second service today, if you would like to be in or help our Christmas play, we're going to have a short meeting after church, so be here for that. If you need like more information, you can see uh, Geneva and Joey, uh, and I'm sure they'll be happy to answer any questions you might have, but they do a fantastic job with the Christmas play, and it is a blessing, and it is just a fun time every year. So if you'd like to help with that, uh, we'd, we'd gladly help. The second announcement is, who is ready for Frito Bandito? Yeah. We've been waiting all year to eat Frito Bandito, so you have no excuse to go and get two or three a day. A day. You can take a break the next, break the next week. But that's, uh, for those of you who don't know, that is our fundraiser. It provides funds for our youth group all year. So it's the gift that keeps on giving all year long, right? But that's, uh, we're so excited about that. And so that's going to be starting up tomorrow. And so come get one or two a day and help out the youth group. And, but I know some people that they wait all year long and they only go to the fair for our Frito Banditos because they are that fantastic. But that's so exciting. So make sure you come out to the fairgrounds this week and uh, enjoy the fair. But more importantly, buy Frito Bandito from us, please. But uh, before we get into the message today, let's go ahead and pray. Then, Father Lord, I just ask that you be with each and every one of us in here today, Lord. Just speak to our hearts. Lord, just tell us what you want us to, want us to know. Lord, just uh, open up our hearts, clear our minds, clear out all the distractions. And Lord, just speak to us today. Lord, just speak through me. Lord, just speak. Let me be a tool for you. Lord, just open up the hearts. Let someone respond to your calling today. Let someone respond to your invitation today. Lord, we just lift you up in everything that we do. In your name we pray. Amen. Uh, we're going to be in Luke chapter 14 today, and we're going to continue on with our series of parables. And today there's going to be two different parables. And so we're going to be in Luke chapter 14. The first parable is a little bit shorter, but they, they go hand in hand. They, they are very relatable. But uh, the setting in the first part of chapter 14 in, in, in uh, Luke 
It's talking about Jesus being invited to a banquet, being invited to a party. Now, these, these were not just like little get-togethers, okay? These banquets were, were huge. They were, they were big productions. A lot of people were there. A lot of wealthy people were there. A lot of important people were there. The Pharisees were there, right? The religious people, the, the Jewish leaders were there. So the who's who of Judaism was at these parties. And Jesus was invited to one of these parties, okay? Huge party. But at this party, not only was Jesus there, because I think they invited him to be, to be there as a, as a trap. They wanted to entrap Jesus into doing something that he should not do or what they considered unlawful to do on the Sabbath. And they set him up, or at least they were trying to, because there was this man there. And this man had swollen arms and swollen legs. Now, I'm not talking about Popeye and spinach swollen arms. It was like gross, like fluid-filled swollen arms and legs. And apparently, it's just the limbs. So the rest of the body was just normal, I guess. And then your, your limbs were just totally full of fluid. And it was called dropsy. Now, see, I always thought dropsy was a disease that football players get when they can't catch the football. But it's not. Dropsy is, is a disease that their arms and legs swell. So... Got this guy there that's not too appealing. He really sticks out, right? You have all these rich people. You have all these clean people, right? And you have this one dude there that he needs help, right? And so they're trying to trap Jesus. And it's highly unusual for this type of man to be there because he's unclean. He's poor. He's not rich. He cannot further. He's, he doesn't do anything for this rich guy that's throwing this party. But there he was. So here's the trap. What's Jesus going to do? Because it's the Sabbath day, right? And this is the trap. And Jesus asked them, you know, well, if this is the Sabbath, is it wrong or is it unlawful for a man to be healed on the Sabbath? Is it unlawful for this lame man to be healed on the Sabbath? And so they couldn't answer him. Well, they didn't want to. So what do you do? He heals him. He heals the lame man. And they just watch. There he was at this party. So he touched him and healed him. And see, Jesus, after this, notices two things about the people at this party. One, he notices everyone trying to sit at the places of honor. He, they're, they're all fighting and jockeying for position at the front, or being in the most important positions. And then the second thing he noticed is that all the people there were rich. They're all rich. And all the people there were his friends. And so here we're going to get into the parable. And as we're going through these, there's two main points to this first parable that we want to talk about, the one we want to point out today. But in verse 7, it starts out. When Jesus noticed that all who had come to the dinner were trying to sit in the seats of honor near the head of the table, he gave them this advice. Here's the advice. When you're invited to a wedding feast... Don't sit at the seat of honor. What if someone who is more distinguished than you has also been invited? The host will come and say, give this person your seat. Then you're going to be embarrassed, and you'll have to take whatever seat is left at the foot of the table. Instead, take the lowest place at the foot of the table. Then when your host sees you, he will come and say, friend, we have a better place for you. You'll be honored in front of all the other guests. You're going to be honored for those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. Take the lowest seat. So this reminds me of a flight that we were on one time. 
I can't remember where we were flying to, but we we're on this smaller plane. You know, we're all cramped together. You know, we're in, in the back, you know, by the engine, so it's going to be loud the entire flight, right, and cramped up. And the flight attendant just happens to look at me, and she's like, Sir, would you and your, your, your wife like to be bumped up in the first class? We've got first class seats available that no one took. I'm like, yes, right? How lucky is this? I thought, well, here I am in the back, and I'm getting to go up to first class. I didn't pay for it. I don't deserve to be there. And the seats were really nice, had plenty of leg room. But before the plane took off, the, the flight attendant came back to me, and she's like, we need you to sign this waiver. I'm like, sign a waiver? What? I thought I was just getting to sit in first class. No, we were sitting by the emergency exit, okay? So we, it was my job, in case something happened, we had to open up the door and let everybody out. So there's a condition to us having to get to be in first class. It was nothing that we'd done. It was nothing that I'd done. It was just a job that we had that no one else wanted, apparently. And I thought I was getting in first class because that was something that I've done. But see, that's what Jesus is talking about here. This is, this is not just good social advice. It's important. And the first thing I want us to notice about this parable is that service is more important than status. Service is more important than status. And the title of today's message is Excuses Are Like Armpits. And we'll get into more of that later. More of your excuses and then your armpits, but we'll get into that more later on. Service is more important than status. And see, I think we get these mixed up in our society a lot. I think we, we think that our status is more important than our service, but it's not. He's trying to tell us in this parable and see that it, it, at first it sounds like good sound advice, right? Jesus does not want us to be embarrassed, so you know, don't sit at the front. Sit at the back, right? Try not to be embarrassed. See, but Jesus is doing a lot more than just trying to save us from embarrassment. He's teaching us about humility, being humble, it's like a man that went to his boss's daughter's wedding. Huge, hundreds of people. Hundreds of people there. And he got there kind of late, and so they were all sitting around the table, and he noticed a couple of empty seats at the front. And so he goes, well, I'm going to go sit up there, right? So he makes his way up there, and he sits down, and they're fixing to eat, and he's like, all right, I'm going to be at the front of the line. This, this is awesome. And then one of the ushers comes up to him and said, Sir, this table is reserved for close friends and family of the CEO. And he's like, you have to get up and you have to go to a back table. So he had to get up and do the walk of shame, right? And being embarrassed and go and sit at the back of the room. And not only did he have to sit at the back of the room, but he was at the end of the line to eat, right? So pick the lowest spot. Jesus is talking about us being humble. He's not just saving us from embarrassment. See, humility is a grace within reach of every true Christian. Not everyone has money to give away. Not everyone has time to devote and to work directly with Christ. We don't have gifts to sing or teach. We don't all have those. We are all not all good managers or leaders. We cannot all heal people. But we can all, all of us in here can strive to be humble. All of us in here can show humility. It's one of the things that everyone can do. Everyone can show humility. We can show others that it's not about us. It's not about what we've done. It's not about how much, it's not about my status. It's not about how much I have. It's not about the car I drive. It's not about the house I live in. It's not about any of those things. It's not about my talents. It's not about my gifts. It's about him. 
That's humility. We can show others that it's not about us. And we can show them how much he's done for us. That we rely on him and nothing else. So it's not about our status, it's about our service. Jesus is saying, take the back seat. Take the back seat. Now I think that's why we leave, and almost all churches leave the front rows open. Right? That's because we're waiting for our distinguished guests to come in here and take the seats of honor. Right? We're just going to go with that. Right? He's saying, set the back first. Set the back first. Humble yourself. Then we'll call you up. Take the back seat. Quit calling shotgun. Take the back seat. See, our service, what we do for him, is more important than status. And see, to the Pharisees here, it was all about status. This party was nothing but to gain people that they could do business with. And it's what could they do for me? That's the people I'm going to invite. Jesus said, no, 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 you guys have it all mixed up. You have it all wrong. Your service is more important than status. Because the truth, none of us, here's the truth, none of us deserve to be in the seat of honor. None of us deserve to be at the head table. None of us deserve to be at God's table. Not at all. None of us deserve to be there. And see, this is the gospel. See, Jesus who did deserve the high place, Jesus who was at the high place, came to earth in the low place. He took our place on the cross. He took the low place. He took on the suffering. He took on the punishment that we deserved. He took on our sin. He's at the high place and he put himself in the position of the lowest seat. He took on the suffering that we deserve. And he offers that as a gift. He offers his seat at the high table as a gift. It's, not what we, it's nothing that we deserved. He offers it as a gift. Verse 12. Then he turned to his host. So basically he was talking to the people there. And now he's talking to the host. When you put on a luncheon or a banquet, he said, don't invite your friends, brothers, relatives, and rich neighbors, for they will invite you back, and that will be your only reward. Instead, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, and the blind. Did you get that? Instead, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, and the blind. And listen to this. Then, at the resurrection of the righteous. So he's not talking about the actual party that they're at now. He's talking further on down the road. He's talking about their eternity. Then at the resurrection of the righteous, God will reward you for inviting those who could not repay you. Invite those that cannot repay you. See, invite the people that it's not about what they can do for you. So the second thing is, invite everyone to the party. Invite everyone to the party, not just your friends, not just your relatives, not just your family. Invite everyone. Invite the crippled, the blame, the, the, the lame, the blind. Invite them all. See, what Jesus is telling the Pharisees here was economic suicide for them. Because these parties, like I said, were more than just get-togethers. They were more than just fellowship. They were there to do business deals. One rich guy comes and helps out another rich guy, Right? I have land to sell, you buy the land, right? It's just good business. 
See, to invite the poor, the lame, the cripple, that meant that you were going to invite people that could never pay you back. People could never pay them back, and they, they would not do that. You know, that's how we are sometimes, right? We make decisions to form relationships on how that can improve my life. How can that improve my social status? How does that being friends with that person improve my social status? How does being friends with that person help me out? You know, we just moved into a, a newer house not too long ago, and I had some friends over to help me move. And some of the friends that had helped me move, I knew that they would help me because they're fixing the move here in a few weeks, and I would be there to help them out, right? So what can they do for me, right? And we were like that. We do that all the time. How can they benefit us? See, we're all guilty of this at some point. How does being friends with that person benefit me? How does knowing that person benefit me? How does inviting that person benefit me? See, what can we do to put others first? What can we do? How can we invite the lame, the crippled, the blind? See, we can put others first by serving. Well, we serve. Our service is more important than our status. We can give. We can teach. We can clean. We can pick up. We can do all those little things and never be expected to be paid back. Right? We can serve. So invite everyone to the party. It isn't about our status. It's about our service. He promises to reward us in the end. If we invite those that can't repay us, he's going to reward us in a way that we can't even imagine. See, God opens his kingdom to everyone. It's open to everyone. We need to make sure they know that they're invited, regardless of their social status, regardless if it's going to help you out or not. Now we're going to get into the second parable. And I like this part because one of the guys sitting there, he's like, yeah, this, this sounds pretty good. Hearing this, a man sitting at the table with Jesus exclaimed, what a blessing, what a blessing. It's going to be awesome to attend the banquet in the kingdom of God. I cannot wait. It's going to be awesome. It's going to be the party of parties. And see, this Pharisee, he can imagine it, right? He can imagine it all he wants to. He can imagine how great it's going to be. But see, in his heart, he doesn't realize that it's available to everyone. Because he thinks he is so good, right? He thinks because of his social status and because he is a Jewish leader, because he keeps the law, that he is the only one going to get to be at that banquet. He thinks his group is the only one going to be invited to that party. It's not his heart. He can imagine all he wants to. He can imagine God's glory all he wants to. But he failed to understand how to share it. Verse 16. Jesus replied with this story. A man prepared a great feast and sent out many invitations. Now I'm going to stop right there for a second. Because back in this time, it was a huge deal to have a party. And I say, I think, it's fant- I think it's awesome that God, all, just about all the time, depicts his, co- his kingdom, His coming glory, to be a big party. To heaven being a big party. It's a celebration. But see, the thing about these celebrations back then is it took a long time to get this stuff together. So there's always a first invitation, right, to be sent out. So we're going to try to do this celebration. We're going to try to have this banquet 
around this time, hopefully everything works out. And then they got it sent a second invitation saying, okay, everything's ready. Let's go. Let's eat. Come, start coming. Because there's no electricity. Usually they had to go find the food or hunt the food, right? So it took a while. They couldn't just say be here on Tuesday. They just couldn't do that. Transportation wasn't reliable, right? They didn't really know how long it was going to take one group to get there and this other family to get there, right? So that first invitation was saying that we're going to try to do it this time. And the second invitation was to tell them everything was ready. <coughs> See, everything was, everything was, this, this entire banquet was important. And in the Gospel of John, I think it's really important that Jesus' first miracle, it wasn't, it wasn't healing a bond person, but the first recorded miracle that Jesus did was he fixed the tap at a party. They ran out of wine. His first miracle was making sure that they had wine at the party. And I think it's symbolic because he's showing that the fellowship, the camaraderie with people is important. Everyone is invited to this party. And so I think it was a coming, it was his first miracle because his, his kingdom was to be, the first to be a feast for all mankind. Everything our hearts desire, everything that we could ever hope for, that's what his, he's comparing his kingdom to. The ultimate party, the party of all parties, where all of our deepest desires are met and everything that our hearts long for come true. We have to make sure that everyone's invited. We have to make sure everyone is invited to that party. Verse 17. When the banquet was ready, he sent his servant to tell the guest, Come, the banquet is ready. Come, the banquet is ready. Right? So the first invitation was sent out. Then the second invitation was sent out. Okay, we got it ready. Everything's good. The pig's on. It's ready to be. All the, the meat's tender. Right? Let's go. Let's have a party. Right? See, so all these people responded to that first invitation, right? But when that second invitation came from the host saying that it was ready, they began to make excuses. They began to make excuses, verse 18. But then they all began making excuses. One said, I've just bought a field and I must inspect it. Please excuse me. And wait a minute. Now who buys land without looking at it? Who buys a piece of property without first checking it out? And if you do buy property without checking it out, why can it wait? Where's it going to go? It's not going to go anywhere, right? Unless it's a natural disaster, it's not going anywhere. So this was kind of a, a lame excuse. I, I bought land and I've got to go look, check it out. I can't make it. I can't make it. Silly excuse. Verse 19. Another said, I've just bought five pairs of oxen and I need to try them out. Please excuse me. As I see, this one doesn't make any sense either. This was, to buy that many oxen back then was equivalent to us buying a car today, right? I don't think any of us in here have ever bought a car without going and looking at it or without at least seeing a picture of it, right? I bought a truck today. What is it? I don't know. Was it four-wheel drive? I don't know. How many doors does it have? I don't know. What color is it? I don't know. I just bought a truck. See, that doesn't make sense, does it? No one buys a car like that at least without seeing pictures first, right? It just doesn't make sense. What kind is it? I don't know. It doesn't make sense. So these excuses 
They're kind of lame. They're kind of lame. I think our Heavenly Father has a sense of humor as well. These excuses are not making any sense. And since I'm a teacher, I found a, a bunch of excuses. And I want to share some of them with you. It says, please excuse Lisa for being absent. She was sick and I had her shot. <laughs> I, think they, I think they meant to say I had her taken to get shots, but maybe she was so sick she needed to be shot. I don't know. Dear school, please excuse John for being absent on January 28th, 29th, 30th, 31st, 32nd, and also 33rd. <laughs> All right. These are true, by the way. John has been absent because he had two teeth taken out of his face. I don't know. I'm going to like to see the picture of that one. Please excuse Ray Friday from school. He has very loose vowels. I don't know if he had stomach problems or he had phonics problems, but either way, either way, he had, uh, they had a good excuse. He had loose vowels. <laughs> Please excuse Tommy from being absent yesterday. He had diarrhea and his boots leak. <laughs> I don't know which one's worse. Your boots leaking on a rainy day or you have diarrhea. I don't know. Please excuse Jennifer for missing school yesterday. We forgot to get the Sunday paper off the porch, and when we found it Monday, we thought it was Sunday. And we can't hardly use that one anymore, right? I mean, who gets the paper? So that's a, that's a lame excuse as well. But see, that's our today, society today is no different. We excuse ourselves from a lot of things, right? We excuse ourselves from things all the time. All the time we make excuses for something. We don't have the time. Or I can't be there because of this. I can't be there because of that. We're no different than these people that are getting invited to this party. Verse 20. Now, this is my favorite. This one's my favorite. Verse 20. Another said, I now have a wife, so I can't come. I have a wife, so I can't come. How, guys, how many of you have you ever used your wife as an excuse not to be able to do something? Oh, okay. All right. All right. See, I had, honest, I had honest guys all day today, right? I can't, I can't go golfing today, I'm married. Or I can't go do this because I'm married. I can't go fishing today, I'm married, right? I can't come to your party, I'm married. Now, wait a minute. What if, what if they're on their honeymoon? Isn't that acceptable to miss a party? But see, all these excuses, you're going to tell me that your wife had rather go just sit at home on the couch with you watching ESPN, eating Cheetos and Doritos and burritos and any other food that ends with toes than to go to a fancy party and rub shoulders with rich people and, and to socialize. No, that's, they're going to they're gonna want to go to a party. This is a lame excuse. I read a story about a, a guy that just bought a sports car. And uh, he, he, was, he was late night and he wanted to try it out, so... You know, he started going really fast, and he got up to 70 and 80, and he's like, oh, this, this is nice. So he was like, I wonder how fast it would go. So he got up to 110, 120, and I'm going to see what this puppy can do. So, he, you know, he just floors it, and he gets 130, 140, 150, and then he sees blue lights. He sees blue lights, and he thinks, well, that's, he can't catch me. He can't catch me. So he kept sitting on 150, and those lights are still there, and he's like, oh, I better pull over, because if I don't pull over now, I'm going to be in big trouble. I don't want to be arrested. So he takes a chance and he pulls over. 
And so the cop comes up to his door and without saying anything, just takes his license and registration. He's like, sir, he's like, I don't know why you're going as fast as you're going. He said, but it's late at night. I've worked two shifts. I'm tired. I don't want to do any more paperwork. So if you can give me an excuse that I've not heard in my 27 years of service, I'll let you go. So the man thought real quick and said, well, officer, my, my, uh, my wife ran out with a cop a few weeks ago, and I thought you were trying to bring her back. <laughs> he said, well, okay, you can go. You're free to go. So guys, don't, don't use your wife as an excuse. Wives, don't use your husband as an excuse. It's not our fault. These are all lame excuses. They might as well just say, I've got to take my goldfish for a walk, you know? It doesn't make sense. These excuses do not make sense. Because this was a big production. This was a big deal. And he's getting this lame excuse after lame excuse after lame excuse of why they cannot be there. Verse 21. The servant returned and told his masters what they had said. His master was furious and said, Go quickly into the streets and the alleys of the town and invite the poor the cripple, the blind, and the lame. Basically, you're invited, you're invited, you're invited, right? I, I want people in these seats. I want people at my party. I don't care what they look like. I don't care what walk of life they're in. I don't care what they've done. I don't care if they're thieves and they're going to steal from me. I would rather them be at my party. I want people to see that there's people at my party. So, wait a minute. So, the original people that they invited, the rich people, the powerful people that could further his social status... Did not come. So he's going to let people into his house that are unclean, the poor, the cripple, the blind. That doesn't make sense. Verse 22. After the servant had done this, he reported, there is still room for more. There's still room for more. So his master said, go out into the country lanes and behind the hedges and urge anyone you find to come so that this house will be full. Now, this was, going, this was going way beyond just the blind, lame, and crippled. This was the, these people were the outcasts out in the hedges. This was out in the country. This was, this was people that were not even allowed in the city gates. The prostitutes, the thieves, the murderers, everybody. So not only did he go out and find street people, but he went out and found homeless people. He went and found thieves and murderers, prostitutes, you name it. He's getting desperate. People who didn't even live in the city. People who had rough past. Bring them in. Bring them in. Invite them to come to my feast. This goes against everything. This goes against everything they've ever been taught. Everything that they've ever gone for. Invite everyone. Regardless of their past. Regardless of of their social status, regardless of their past. Invite them. I want to point out in this next verse, Jesus switches from telling a story to speaking in first person. So not only is he telling the story, but he turns to them and he speaks directly to them. He's pointing at them. He's speaking directly to us. Verse 24. For none of those I first invited, none of those that I first invited will even get the smallest taste of my banquet. Let's sink in for a minute. 
For none of those I first invited will even get the smallest taste of my banquet. See, what he was talking about here is he was talking about the Jewish rejection of him. They were the first to be invited into God's banquet, into God's party, into God's kingdom. See, these first invitations were sent out by the, by the prophets that came before him. Right? All these prophets that said that our Savior is coming. Jesus is coming. Here's your invitation. Here's your invitation. Here's your invitation. He's coming. And now they got all these first invitations. And now they have a hundred excuses why they cannot meet him. They have a hundred excuses why they cannot be at his party. They've got excuse after excuse after excuse for not coming to him. See, just like today, they're preoccupied with everyday life. They're preoccupied with their social status. They're preoccupied with getting married. They're preoccupied with making a living. And we have stuff that we all have to do. Stuff that we all have to do. But sometimes those excuses are just that. They're excuses. They're not legit. So the message was sent out to the outcast, the unclean, the poor, the lame, the cripple, the Gentiles, us. It was sent out to us. So we have an incredible opportunity to attend the king's banquet. But see, for some, they don't receive the invitation. You know, for some, they're never even sent an invitation. For these people, they might miss out on God's party. Who do you know today that might miss out on God's party because you have not sent out an invitation? That they've not received an invitation to God's party. It's like Cinderella. If it's a party to the king, they're not going to make excuses, right? They're going to be there. If not, the whole storyline's messed up. Don't let people miss the kingdom because they were not invited. So some reasons that people might miss the kingdom. The first one, we make excuses. We make excuses. See, our, our lives do get in the way sometimes. We get too busy. I know this week, when I was preparing for this sermon, I've never laughed so much but had my toes stomped on so much at the same time. A bunch of mixed emotions because I'm bad for this. I get too busy. I have a lot of things on my plate. And I use that as an excuse too many times. And sometimes I double and triple look myself and I can't be in two places at one time. And then one area has to be left out and the other one... I, I, you know, I can't give my 100% to because I feel like I have to be in two different places. And I know you, do, you guys do that the same as well. But we have excuses on a daily basis. We get too busy. Our jobs get in the way. Family gets in the way. My son Carson, his favorite excuse is if he doesn't want to pick up something or if he doesn't want to clean his room or he, he wants to be carried, he's like, Daddy, my legs are broke. Son, pick up your toys. Daddy, I can't. My legs are broke. And the sad thing is, as bad as excuses that is, it usually works. Right? So, see, as sometimes as bad as our excuses are, a lot of times they work. It usually works. You know, I coach football as well. So this season I've, I've really been preaching and teaching about not making excuses. Just do your job. Do your job. And, and if you do something wrong, let's, let's figure out how to fix it. Don't give me excuses. Don't give me excuses. Because they're just that. They're just excuses. It doesn't help you fix anything. And so in the game the other day, one of my DBs got beat deep, and, and they scored a touchdown. And so I, you know, I'm livid because you know, he just watched them you know, go by, 
And he catches the ball, you know, if he'd have guarded him, you know, that probably wouldn't have happened, right? So I'm, you know, getting on to him on the, as he's coming off the sideline. And I'm like, why did you not guard, why didn't you not guard him? And all I got was a blank stare. All I got was a blank stare. I'm like, what happened? You know, talk to me. Well, then I got to thinking, the reason I got the blank stares because I've been telling them, don't give me excuses. So he probably had three or four excuses ready for me, but he knew not to give them. So he just didn't say anything. <laughs> not a word. And I thought, wow, it's finally sinking in. It's finally sinking in. Don't give me excuses. And see, the thing about these excuses that these people were given in this parable, they're not horrible, right? Like, come on, Sam. And guy gets married, isn't it okay to miss a party for his honeymoon? Or isn't it okay to, to buy a new house or a new property? Yeah, that's fine. But it should not be an excuse to not be in God's party. It should not be an excuse. Say a bad excuse would be like, I can't be there because I got to go rob a bank or I got to go do a drug deal later so I can't be there. That's a bad excuse, right? But none of these excuses are bad that they're giving us. But see, usually our excuses are materialistic, right? It's all about our status. It's about what we have. I have to go work in my house. I don't have time because of this or that. Well, I can't go to, I can't go to church today because I really don't like the teachers and the preachers. Singing, I don't like that either, right? Or some of you have had this excuse or heard this excuse, if I go, the roof will cave in. You ever heard that one before? If I go, the church will catch on fire, right? That's an excuse. That's an excuse that people give. We make excuses. And that leads me to the title of the sermon today. Excuses are like armpits, right? Right? What do we know about armpits? They all have two of them at least, right? And they all stink. They all stink. So we cannot let those excuses be the reason that we miss God's party. We also can't let these excuses be the reason we don't send out invitations to other people. I'm thinking, well, I've invited that person so many times they won't show up. He or she will never come to church. Because we cannot give any more lame excuses. Everyone needs to be invited. Invite everyone. Quit making excuses. The second reason that people might miss God's kingdom is that we miss the importance of the invitation. Check, check. Hey, I'm back. This is no excuse. It's a good excuse, right? I just changed these batteries out. Now I've got to do this without having a microphone. This is going to be weird. But anyway, we can't have any more excuses. We have to invite everyone, right? Your battery's dying and your mic pack cannot be an excuse. So we don't see the importance of the invitation. And this is where we need to get real. See, even if some of your excuses are legit, even if they are good excuses, I oh, got married. Let him go on his honeymoon. She works a lot. She works long hours. They have a new family. You see, all those are good excuses, but when you compare them to God's kingdom, when you compare them to the importance of his invitation, they're not nearly as important. They're not legit when you weigh them against the importance of the invitation that they're receiving from God. 
So let me ask you a question. How important is an invitation from God? How important is an invitation from God to his kingdom? Are you going to turn that down? Are you going to keep someone else from getting that invitation to his party? How important is the invitation from God? If there is a God and he created everything, and everything that you have is from him, the air that you breathe comes from him, Everything that you have is a gift from him. How important is the invitation from him? Nothing that exists without him. His opinion on your life is the only thing that matters. So if there's an invitation from God, wouldn't it trump everything else that we have in our lives? Isn't it more important than everything that we have going on? It's more important. Any excuse that we could ever give any excuse that we could ever give pales in comparison to the invitation from God. If you don't get anything else out of today, and if you have your notes, write this down. See, this invitation has to be treated as a matter of life and death. It has to be treated as a matter of life and death. It's that important. See, what if the things that the Bible talks about are true? The Bible teaches that all people will spend eternity in one or two places. Heaven is a place beyond imagination, above all that we can ever comprehend and imagine. A wonderful place. Spending eternity with our Heavenly Father. Free from pain, free from sickness. The party of all parties. Constant celebration. You have an invitation or hell. A place where the Bible teaches that there's anguish and torment and pain, suffering, anguish, torment. Even Jesus, the most perfect person, the most loving, tender being that ever existed that stepped foot on this earth, loves us enough to warn us and send us an invitation to be with him forever. You have an invitation. What if it's true? What if Jesus' death really had the meaning that he said it did? Suffering for you, taking your pain that you deserve, taking your punishment that you deserved, and taking it on the cross. Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. He is the way. It trumps everything else. How can we treat it lightly or neglect it? It's the most important thing. His invitation the person that does not respond to invitation loses everything. The third thing, we don't feel worthy of an invitation. A lot of us sitting here today do not feel worthy of the invitation. See, did you notice who received the invitation at the Jesus' party to begin with? It was the poor, the lame, the crippled, the blind, the outcast, the homeless. God invites the outcast and the homeless, the Gentiles, because that's all we are before him. We're all poor. We're all crooked from head to toe. We're nothing without him. We are all at the lowest seat. God invites the outcasts and the sinners, the homeless, because that's all we are. That's all we are. And a lot of people miss the invitation because there is something instinctive inside of them saying that there's something that I have to do to earn it. There's something that I have to do to earn it. I don't feel worthy. I'm not worthy enough to have an invitation to God's party. I don't have, I'm not worthy. You know, it's kind of like potluck dinners, right? You know, where you're supposed to bring a dish 
And then if you don't bring something, you feel guilty that you eat, right? I used to do that all the time. When I first started teaching, I was a young guy. You know, I'd forget that we're having dinner, and, and I'd go through there, and I'm like, ah, oh, I didn't bring anything. I didn't bring anything. But I'm going to eat anyway. Lord, thank you for this food. Right? But I know better now. I know better now. And I have a wife that teaches in the same school, so now I don't have an excuse. I get to eat, and I don't feel guilty because we bring things. But that's what Jesus is trying to tell us today. Is there's nothing that we can bring. There's nothing that we can bring. He doesn't care about our social status. He doesn't care. We are all in the lowest seat. See, we're in a condition that we can never fix ourselves. You know, it'd be like being invited to dinner at the White House. Being invited to dinner at the White House and all you brought was a couple of hungry men microwave dinners. Right? There's nothing that we can bring. There's nothing that we could bring that he doesn't need. If I go ahead and get my worship team to come up here today. It all pales in comparison. You are worthy of an invitation. There's nothing that you can bring. There's nothing that you could do that would ever earn our way there, that would earn your way to God's table. It's a free gift. So you and I, we have nothing to offer. None of us are worthy. He loves us enough to party with us forever, for all of eternity. See, now we can better understand the parable of the lowest seat. When we humble ourselves and realize that we are at that low place, we are the poor, we're the crippled, we're the blind, we deserve the lowest seat. And we humble ourselves and we say, it's not about what we've done. It's about what you've done. When we bow in reverence. He will call us up. He will call us up. Come sit at the high table. I paid it all on the cross for you. You are my distinguished guest. You are my honored guest. Come. He will call us up. See, this parable is not only good social advice. It's the way to salvation. It's the gospel. Today you have an invitation to God's party. You have an invitation to God's banquet. You can be live forever in God's kingdom. You have that invitation. All you do is have to accept it. Say, God, I want to be there. I want you to be my savior. I want to be at your party. Other people need to be at this party too. These seats need to be filled. Seats in other churches need to be filled. There are people out there that are outcast. They're lame, they're crippled, they're blind, and they're not receiving an invitation. It's a life and death situation that we're in. Invite those people. You have an invitation today. How are you going to respond? There's no more excuses. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we just thank you for this day, Lord. Lord, I just thank you for your presence in this place. Lord, I pray that if there's anyone here today that does not know you as their personal Savior, that has never accepted your invitation to your kingdom, Lord, let today be the day that they say, I'm going to be there. I want to be there. I want to be with you forever. Nothing that I have, you need. But I'm going to give you my all anyway. It's not about what I've done. It's about what you've done for me. 
He does not care about our social status. Lord, just let us serve you in a way that glorifies you. Lord, you know everyone in here. You know their hearts. I lift them all up to you, Lord, today. Lord, just thank you for all your many blessings. Lord, just take, thank you for taking the lowest seat. Thank you for coming down off your throne to take the lowest place for us so that we could be lifted up when we don't deserve it. Lord, just help us invite others. Lord, just help us reach the outcast. Lord, help us reach the poor, the crippled, the blind. Because that's all we are. Lord, just help us humble ourselves to you. Let others see you through us. Lord, just thank you for all your many blessings. In your name we pray. Amen.